0: A busy sports season coming up in Durham. We'll talk all about it on this edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum. Sherm Chester with you. And today, our special guest, an old friend of the forum, Mike Murphy, the Associate Athletic Director for Marketing and Communications at the University of New Hampshire. Michael. Durham, it's great to be back. Every time you invite
1: me, I'm amazed that you bring me back. So I don't know what I'm doing right.
0: but You are a pro, sir. And we'll get to that later in the show. But I, I, the question I got to lead off with is, are things back to a new normal at the University of New Hampshire in Durham? What a trick question. I, I thought you were going to say, are they back to normal? <laughs> Which
1: would be no, because it, it's not back to normal for anybody. But is it back to a new normal? New normal. Well, perhaps, yes. It's, it's a better normal than the normal that had become new about a year ago. Uh, school has started up. Athletes are back. Sports are back. Fans are back. And yes, there are still masks. Yes, there are still certain protocols. And there is some testing that goes along with the start of school that I think people probably expect in as far as so many folks who are gone for the summer have all shown up again. So just mm-hmm. to be safe. There's a testing protocol going on. So I, anybody who's staff, or faculty or students, we've been back into the testing system regardless of vaccination status, something that we hadn't worried about in the summer because cases were so low. So now we're knocking on wood and hoping that People are staying safe, the vaccination numbers continue to, rise, continue to rise, and we can have as close to the old normal of a season as possible.
0: There you go. Precautionary. That's the word we were using just before we started our interview today. That You know, we everybody is, I, at least I am, and I think you are, in a precautionary mode. We don't want to be the one that causes anybody to get sick obviously we don't want to get sick but you know and i'm waiting until november and get that third booster shot believe me well let's uh let's now that things are in like we say the new normal let's let's run down the different sport teams that are, are in action over there, durham um let's start off with the football team obviously the football team is uh is going to be kicking off the season against stony brook and uh it's been a long time since we've seen him out on the field. So give us, give us your assessment uh, of the 2021 Wildcat football team.
1: And it's probably unfair for me to say it this way, but I think for the majority of people, unless they're really diehard UNH football fans, we're talking almost two years since the team has played. They had their spring season cut short after only one game, a lot of starts and stops. The team worked their tails off for sure, trying to get, some games in during that abbreviated season. And so their level of football did play the FCS, and there was a champion crown. But for UNH, they put one game. It was a freezing cold night in March, heartbreaking loss against the University at Albany. And then it went back to let's shut it down and regroup for the fall season. So here we are. And they had a Wildcats had a full camp. All the players who were here with only a handful of exceptions. All the folks from last spring are back for the fall season, and we're starting it up. You mentioned the Stony Brook game. That's a Thursday night game to kick off the season on September the 2nd. And then the home opener at Wildcat Stadium, first game with fans since November of 2019. Wow. Saturday, September 11th, 6 o'clock, against Towson.
0: We want to pack the house that night for sure. Definitely pack that house. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it was, you know, this the past weekend when the students moved back in, we had a couple of events that were non – I shouldn't say non-athletics. One of the great events here that I'm lucky to be a small part of, Sherm, is the freshman cat pack kickoff. So all the people coming to school for the first time, their RAs lead them to Wildcat Stadium, and we do a pep rally. And the main event of the pep rally is Coach Mack talking sure. to the team, talking to these kids, saying, we want you here. Sherm, I stood out there on the field, looked up, and – Every seat was filled Excellent. on the West Stadium side, and it brought back chills. that had been so long.
0: Excellent. And then the
1: following day, we had the biggest crowd we'd ever have for a men's soccer game. Right, there were 3,317 fans for that, and it was electric. And our soccer team's been so good since, uh, region- recently. But I've forgotten how much I missed the fans until we've had them back.
0: They make a difference, no doubt about it. And, and as we found out in that one game that we did have back months ago, it wasn't the same without him.
1: <laughs> oh, it was your, I mean, your voice is wonderful, Sherm. I like hearing it, but not so loud and clear that there's not a single body to absorb it bouncing back off the team. No.
0: <laughs> I mean, I was entertaining the, the, the security out in the parking lot. That was about it.
1: <laughs> yes. You know, I, I did some public – I'm no Sherm Chester, as your audience will know, but during the hockey season – I would do some public address announcing and our fan of the game. We try to have fun with it. We'd find a one person sitting a security guard by him or herself and say, here's our fan of the game and just put them on the, uh, the board. But it's a lot more fun when you have real fans and uh, the school spirit is at an all time. high. I think no one will take anything for granted this year.
0: I know. I know we're looking forward to San Bruno and yours truly are looking forward to getting the crowd pumped up over there. Uh, uh, when they have that opener on the 11th, uh, it, you know, let's run, run the schedule. So we, we talked about Stony Brook being the, the season opener and then Towson, the home opener. And uh, then we move on to uh, Saturday, the 25th, when Pitt comes, uh, when we play at Pitt, we'll be playing the Panthers at Pitt. Uh, then you got to move on to October 2nd. That's a Saturday, that's 3.30 afternoon game. And that's a big one against our old rival JMU, James Madison University. And they are the favorites going into the season in all the coaches' polls. Um Moving on, we go into the next week. That's uh, against Dartmouth, the 16th, a 1 o'clock game. And uh, that'll, be, that'll be a fun game, an in-state rivalry game. And then we go and uh, travel to Elon. And that'll be on the 23rd. And uh, that's down in North Carolina, in case anybody wanted to know where Elon was. Richmond <laughs> is, is our next game, and that's a home game. Uh, that'll be going on the 30th. And then we move on to the 6th of November. They move on to Albany, take on uh, the Great Dane, the Great Dane. That's right. Okay. And then we move uh, on to Rhode Island on the 13th and wrap up the season at home. And that is another big game because we're going after a musket against the Maine Black Bears, and that'll be on the 20th at one o'clock. So, um, uh, Let's take just even one of any of those games I just mentioned. I know uh, James Madison's homecoming game, uh, the homecoming game, and then obviously the main game is a big one for us, but they're all big. Uh, any of them stand out? Well, homecoming
1: is is such a special event, and last year it was stay homecoming, as we already yeah. talked about, no offense. But James Madison has been the class of FCS football in the East, especially the CAA, always in the top five. Their record against the league has been like like nothing ever. I mean, they probably belong at a higher level. They seem to think so. However, when they've come here to the dungeon, they have run into some issues. Even the one year where UNH had a losing record, unfortunately, you know, the year Trevor Knight got hurt, he came back late in the year in November, and the Wildcats beat JMU. As it is never easy for the Dukes when they have to come to Durham. So the homecoming mix with UNH being what I believe a stacked team that will be underrated by the opposition against James Madison, that homecoming game October 2nd, I'm expecting an unbelievable battle and a memorable game. The Dartmouth one just two weeks later, it used to be hammer nail, right? New Hampshire beat Dartmouth so many years in a row, so much time. Well, the Big Green, a lot of credit. They have come back with a force. We haven't been playing annually. So whenever you get those two teams together, the two Division I football powers, New Hampshire, unforgettable. And then to wrap up October with Richmond, that Halloween weekend, mm. spiders in town. It's a great month. October is the best football month for my money anyway in New Hampshire. The weather is not yeah, hot right. anymore. You get the leaves turning. I think there's a lot of good opportunities to come check out the Cats.
0: Coach Mac, he 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 was away for a year and then came back and obviously had that one game, and then now it's the real deal. So he must be chomping at the bit. That's my my pet phrase for him. Just let's get this ball teed up and and, and get the season going, right?
1: Yes, Coach Mack has been as energetic as ever. Uh, after what he went through, a lot of people were like, oh, poor Coach Mack. Well, he never said, poor me. Right. He never made it about himself. And from the day he came back, he's been raring to go. And Ricky Santos did a tremendous job in his year as interim head coach, and he's still around as the associate head coach. But it's Coach Mack's team. Coach Mack, you know how it is, Sure, Teams follow the personality and work ethic of their leader. And so this team is chomping at the bit just as much as the legendary head man.
0: And we got uh, quarterback was going to be Max Brosmer, starting quarterback, but he had an injury just recently. And uh, so it looks like Brett Edwards is going to be pushed into that position, but there's been kind of a little bit of a, of a, not a rivalry, but you know, they've been both going after it for the last couple of seasons here. So uh, Ricky Santos, obviously uh, with his history of, Hall of Famer and uh, quarterback legend at UNH. He, he, whoever's in that position, his field general, is got, he's got their back. And uh, so I think Brett will shine for us, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, that's the thing about the success that UNH has had going back to the Ricky Santos era. I remember when, when Ricky Santos was an unknown in 2004, there was already a lot of expectations about Mike Granary. Mike Granary was going to be a senior quarterback. The team had turned the corner late in 2003, and then he suffered this devastating injury, and all of a sudden this unimproven freshman who hadn't even made it into the media guide, Ricky Santos, is playing against Rutgers, and he wins the game. And then Delaware, defending national champions, wins the game. Since that time, there's always been the second guy. When Ricky Santos got hurt, R.J. Tolman was ready. Then R.J. Tolman became the guy. There was Kevin Decker as the second QB. There was the Andy Bayless, Sean Goldrich. And most recently, it has been Max Brosmer and Brett Edwards. You remember, Sherm, two years ago, they had a big battle in training camp. The last time, there was a real training camp. And Edwards won the job. Started the opening game against Holy Cross. At halftime, UNH was down. Change was made to Max. And Max did a great job. Almost led UNH back to a win. And he reclaimed the starting role. Unfortunately, Brosmer suffered a season-ending knee injury. But Edwards has been in the system. This is his fourth year now Mm because he redshirted one year, played as a redshirt freshman. Last year we went through. And he's a great athlete, great arm, knows the offense inside and out. So this is not to diminish Max at all because Max Brosmer was the number one QB for a reason. But there's every reason to be confident in Brett Edwards being under center when the season begins.
0: And, and while we're at it, uh, other standouts, uh, Evan Horn obviously got, gets a lot of press uh, over the offseason and, and going into the season. But other other players that are standouts to you that we should be kind of keying in on this year? I know Carlos Washington being another one.
1: Yeah, and the offensive side, and the Stony Brook game is always fun because Dylan Lalby is a Stony, a Long Island kid. And whenever he goes back home, and this <laughs> goes back before even before him when we had uh, Dalton Crossing a Long Island kid, those guys seem to rise to the occasion when they go back in front of family and friends. And those that's a heck of a one-two punch out of the backfield, Washington and Lauby Wide receivers, Charles Briscoe, Brian Espinette, uh, veteran guys, Nick Lorden, who's been around a New Hampshire kid. So tight end is a little unknown, but the offensive line is filled with experience. All those guys played a lot of snaps in the past. Patrick Flynn to Matt Masia, they lead the way, but there's Plenty of reason to think that Edwards will get plenty of protection. Holes will be opened up for that running back tandem. And on the other side of the football, I think our front four is as good as it's been in many, many years. Strong in the middle with Elijah Lewis and Nico Kavikis. Gunner Gibson at defensive end, you probably remember, he was so good, so talented, he even scored a two-point conversion. Yeah. But he gets after the quarterback. And a young guy who fans haven't seen yet, Josiah Silver, was ready to burst on the scene last year. And I think he will become one quickly, one of the better pass rushers in the CAA. So a lot of excitement starting up front. And as you know, whenever you have a good defensive line, it makes secondary and the linebackers look that much better.
0: Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. Now you're going to be part of the uh, team bringing the games to uh, the televised games on NBC Sports Boston, along with uh, Brendan Glashin again, right?
1: Yes, very excited about that, Uh, to be working with Brendan, who's a true professional. Uh, He does our ESPN broadcast for basketball, now a WNBA broadcaster for the, uh, the Connecticut Sun. Wow. So glass is a true legend. I just try to stay out of the way. Sure. Oh, glass, you, do.
0: you guys compliment each other. That's what's really important in the booth. And then another pair I want to mention, uh, on, on the radio side of things for the UNH wildcats, of course, our friend Bob Lipman and Justin McIsaac. those guys, they, they've got their, their chemistry together as well. You know?
1: Yeah. They've been together a long time. Now you think about it, it doesn't take long before you become a known tandem yeah. and we're radio guys, deep down. Sure. And we love I have nothing <laughs> like hearing any sport on the radio and I've gotten to know Bob and Justin really well through the years. They travel with the team. I travel with the team. So the radio people may not get as much recognition from the general fans who put the TV on or come to the games, hopefully. But Mm -hmm. for the real diehards who follow home and away, you realize those radio announcers are the ones who are in tune with everything going on.
0: Yeah, because you guys in the booth for TV, you've got a lot of people talking to you in the earphones you get the little headphones on or earphone on and people are talking to you about plays and queuing for commercial and whatever and and uh, bob and, and justin they they're they're doing the same basic thing but they have to paint that picture and focus keep that focus it's it's tough both ways you and and your your crew and also the, the radio crew i i don't envy you that job it's hard enough for me in the pa booth <laughs> i got sam bruno as my left hand man <laughs>
1: Nobody envies me to begin with, Sherman, but <laughs> I am very lucky to sit and watch the games from where I do. But as, if we're going to get nerdy about TV versus radio, the radio announcers, you pointed it out perfectly, they're painting the picture, so they get to talk a lot. On TV, I'm always reminding myself, and to only mixed results, shut up once in a while. They can see the picture, right. so right. you don't need to describe as much. And then the replays are so important. So many people are watching at a sports bar with the volume down. They don't, you know, Ben Gilbert and our Wildcat Productions team. Those are the people talking. They're doing so much more of the work. Brendan's calling the action. Most of the time, I don't have to say much, which is a good thing, because I don't have much intelligence to say. But oh. the radio guys, I, radio I love, near and dear to my heart, and I enjoy when the hockey season starts getting to broadcast again.
0: I'm going to get more into that in a few minutes. But right now, you brought it up, the soccer teams – are rolling and for the Wildcats, and where do you want to start, the ladies or the the guys?
1: Well, both are exciting, but different reasons. You know, the men's team has now established itself as the premier program in America East and in the Northeast. Frankly, they have been to the NCAA tournament four years in a row, won the conference three seasons in a row, another loaded roster, which includes an Exeter man, Mr. Gould,
0: That's
1: right, But then international students, grad students, Mark Hubbard, the head coach, and his staff have done such a phenomenal job of building that culture that fans Mm -hmm. have followed. And it wasn't just student fans. I know I told you that story. But seeing the Oyster River United Youth Program, hundreds of kids flooding the field before the game to be introduced with the team, and then they play on Tucker Field next door, and they're running around playing because that's the future. It's just a full-day event. I, for lack of a better way to describe it. And there's the tickets are free show up at a game. I promise you, you'll be entertained by the team's style of play, just the, the, the nature of the day, you know, and how strong soccer is. And the women's team, Steve Wellum has built uh, a tenacious bunch. They've had a really difficult non-conference schedule to begin with. Syracuse, my alma mater coming in to take on UNH on September 5th. So a good chance Sunday afternoon to see an ACC team come to Wildcat Stadium. And uh, led by Francesca Picicci, who's a, a terrific flanker, and then uh, in goal, Cat Shepard. Women's team is exciting to watch as well.
0: Now, thanks to uh, Ted Lasso, I have uh, a new expression. Uh, who are some of the standouts on both those ladies and the men's team we'll see on the pitch?
1: <laughs> Woo, look at you. Look at you. You know the pitch. Yeah, well, Cheech is great uh, on the uh, women's soccer side. Whitney Wiley is another terrific player in Shepard. And then on the men's side, you know, his name rhymes with Awesome, our new goalie. He was a backup last year, but it's Jossom jo- it's uh, Lot. and I'm bad at pronunciations, but he's in goal. But uh, gold is going to be tremendous. You have return of – and these are guys who won awards last year. Sam Henneberg was Rookie of the Year in America East. He is back again this season. Uh, Victor Minutier, Bilal Kamal. And the incredible thing is – UNH soccer beat Colgate one 0 uh, in their first home game. Most of these guys who were their star players were coming off the bench. So I don't know if Coach Hubbard wanted to mix it up for a non-conference game, or he feels that deep. But you would see four reserves coming at once, which as a soccer, you don't see that often in no, soccer. No. Oh, but no. you know, you're, you're 25 minutes into a half, and all of a sudden these four standouts come in. It really applies the pressure to the other team.
0: Now let's let's uh, move to the field hockey team they're they've been busy you got uh, 18 letter winners eight starters from last year coming back um let's see um, how do you remember all of this
1: stuff you're really good sure
0: oh i'm cheating <laughs> I, I, I'm cheat sheet off to the side here um well I, I, my cheat sheet says the top four goal scorers combined to score 15 of the team's 19 goals last season they're back so we're looking for a good season from the field hockey team as well right
1: Field hockey team just came back from the University of Louisville where they didn't win, but they Louisville's fifth in the country. Mm. And that's one thing. When New Hampshire goes to open up the season, it's all about getting better in time for the America East campaign because you want to be strong for conference. That's more important. But Gemma Woods has been a fine. She's the goalkeeper for the field hockey team. and I know they lost to Louisville 3-0, but by all accounts, talking to people who were – at that matchup, it could have been eight or nine, nothing. She stood in her head. And if you have a good goalkeeper, it makes everything else look pretty good. And and players like Finn Karen, who've been around a long time, they're primed to have a big year. Robin Balducci is the most, if you ask Sean McDonald and you think he's intense, (laughs) he references Robin Balducci many times and and her ability to be as intense a coach as you'll find. She won a national championship as a player here for the lacrosse team back in 1985. And, is the She's a Hall of Fame coach, and luckily she's still here, though, so she can't go into the Hall yet.
0: Now, as far as the cross-country team is concerned, you had a legend retire, and uh, now the teams, plural, both the ladies and the men's team, uh, is Robert Hopler taking charge. So tell us about Coach Hopler and, and, and the programs there.
1: Well, Coach Hopler has become a real stalwart and known for his work with our women's cross-country team. They've won championship after championship. He has built a program, and there was a certain someone named Ellie Purrier. Mm-hmm. Now I'm married, Ellie Purrier-St. Pierre, who competed on the U.S. Olympic team. And she started on a farm in Vermont. Rob Hopler saw something in her here at UNH. Now, her work ethic is what got her where she is, but Ellie would be the first to tell you how important Hop was to her success. And it's not just Ellie. Teams have won championships since that time. And you never want to replace a legend. And Coach B, Jim Belanger, an absolute legend. But I know Coach Belanger really wanted Coach Hopper to get the opportunity to take over the program because you're not just a head coach. Right Now, and it, when it was an extensive interview process. There are a lot of great candidates. But now Coach Hopper building, looking for a men's cross country, men's track and field. And track and field, can, as you know, who's going to be your thrower? Who's working with the sprinters and who's working with the jumpers? So he is in the process of building out his staff uh, and his office, by the way. You don't just go sit in Jim Belanger's office. Literally, you can't be replaced. So the building is under construction for the new era of track and field.
0: That's fantastic. And the UNH is going to be uh, the location for America East, the, the championship on the 29th of October.
1: Cross country championships are being right. hosted right here College Woods. Yeah, exciting
0: times. And then the NCAA uh, regionals will be in Franklin Park on November the 12th. Season tickets, let's talk about that for folks who want to be fans in the stands this year since we can be there. Tell folks how to, how to get involved.
1: Yep, unhwildcats.com slash tickets. And then you can take a look at all the different options from general admission all the way up to sitting in the service credit union victory club where you're indoors or outdoors The so climate control. The TVs are on inside the club. Know, higher end food, uh, great vantage points, And then the touchdown tents, which are right outside the end zone. Uh, you can have a full, all you can eat buffet, bar service. Great for groups. Sure. You know, if you're bringing your a family reunion or coworkers or just any kind of group you want to hang out, alums do this a lot, a class of right. 19. Yeah, they'll come in and watch the game out there. And it's always special when a team scores a touchdown, and the player comes right over to where the, alums are sitting or that particular group so unh slash tickets or the box office phone number you know you can still call 603-862-4000 easy number to remember 862-4000 and one of our very talented ticket reps will run you through all the possibilities and, and new this year sure okay. right across from where you sit yeah the bud light beer deck i'm not here to say you have to drink beer when you're at a game but if for people who know the field house layout right outside Lundholm Gym, which mm-hmm. is the main entrance to Cowell Stadium, one of the best views in all sports. You're looking right down at the field, right up the locker room. Well, that is going to be the new Bud Light beer deck where you can purchase beer and stand there, watch the game. There's some seating over there as well. And it's going to just add a little bit uh, a little life to this side, the east side of uh, Wildcat Stadium.
0: Which brings to the point. That's where the student body used to sit. Now they're coming on our side, the home side, right beneath where we broadcast from. Correct? And you will love that,
1: Sherm, because I got a taste of this. I did public address for the men's soccer game I referenced earlier, and they were loud. And they're right there with you. Good. That's you really know, One of the things that, you know, we did fan surveys, and the adult fans missed having the students side by side, and the student fans, the cat pack, they missed being – with the uh, general fans. So they were at the visiting section was next to where the student section had been the last couple of years. So that adjustment's been made and looking forward to having everyone back together right behind the Wildcat sideline. Most importantly, our players said they wanted their student fans right behind them for support. So the dungeon mindset is back, That's Sure, That's good. The advantage is back.
0: When I scream out third down, I want the crowd to get pumped up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you're going to hear them, which, you know, makes a difference because you're locked into what you're doing, you know, and it's acoustically, as we're getting deep in the weeds, it can be difficult in the uh, sanitized environment of the fourth floor press box, but I tell you what, they were loud, right, beneath yesterday.
0: I'm looking forward to that. Now, you asked a few minutes ago if this was Zoom or if it was audio for a podcast. It's both. The the Seco Sports Forum, we do both now. This will be televised as well as a, a podcast version, which brings me to another of your many talents, you are the host of the UNH Wildcast. Tell people about the Wildcast.
1: Well, podcasting is is fun, and I I've listened to this as a podcast. Shout out Steve Burris, one of my favorite guests you
0: had most recently. But great show, great show.
1: Yeah, and podcast you can just take with you everywhere. Somebody once I stole a line. Netflix for your ears, you know it's on demand. You can find all kinds of topics. So last year we started off the Wildcast. You know, play on words, but. It's been fun for me because I talk to current student-athletes and coaches, alums, and others. There's so much going on with UNH each week, and we're about to start up the new season, season two of uh, the Wildcast. So it's a different perspective for me. I'm meeting people I would not have otherwise, and it was all via Zoom. Uh, Even though it was only for the audio, we couldn't do anything face-to-face, and we'll still do a lot of Zoom. There's such convenience Mm -hmm. to it, as you and I are demonstrating right now but it's just been fun to talk to somebody like Ellie Currier as she was getting ready for the Olympics or RJ Harris who played football for us now playing for the Ottawa red blacks and the CFL, but every sport I had a chance to talk to in some way, shape or form. And, you know, all I am is the sponge getting the information. So it's valuable for me. No one listens for me, but hopefully the people that you hear the guests that are there are, are worth your time. So download wherever podcasts you found, it is the UNH Wildcast powered by Unitil. And uh, we only accept one rating, Sherr, mm. five stars. Yeah. <laughs> Give that five-star rating. It comes in the algorithmic overlords. They appreciate I, that. I,
0: I got I to gotta get you to be my pitch man for our podcast because I keep forgetting to mention it on the televised version. Well, appointment listening, UNH Wildcast, uh, especially uh, for Wildcat fans and alumni, uh, the movers, the, the shakers, the legends, joined my friend right here. <laughs> my fellow, my fellow broadcaster, Mike Murphy every week. And that's another thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, I was going to do a little background on you. Uh, what? No, you I don't can explain. Oh, sorry. No, no, you, you've got, you've got quite the resume, my friend. And and I tell me how we were moving, Mentioning earlier, how you work with the uh, Brendan on the television part of it. And of course you do the hockey games. Give us the, the thumbnail of how you got involved with UNH in broadcasting. Jim Janot. You know the name jim janat oh yeah the legend He's a true legend and i was just
1: lucky you know and i i do speak a number of classes and people ask well what's what's your recommendation when you start your career well i was lucky enough that my first professional job out of college in 1995 was at wkxl radio in concord where i still live and jim was the sports director And I was the morning radio person just making sure not to make sure the commercials played and Mm -hmm. the pastor could speak. But Jim took a liking to me, or at least pretended to. And uh, three years into my career, his color commentator for UNH football, I should have mentioned that part. Jim Janot was known for the Granite State Challenge, TV, WKXL. But to me, what I was most impressed with, he was the voice of the Wildcats football and men's basketball. And when his color commentator in 1998, midway through the season left the football beat, Jim asked me to jump along. And he was very patient because I didn't know the first thing about doing color commentary. His rule was, be quiet when I'm doing the play by play. When the whistle blows, then you can say a few things. When they break the huddle, dummy up. Otherwise, the hand goes up. When Jim Janot's hand goes up, my mouth went shut. And we traveled everywhere from 1998 and I added basketball in uh, 2001, I believe, when the late, great coach Frank Monahan passed away untimely, and Jim let me do broadcast with him. So that was my way in. But I went over a decade just working weekends or in a, a radio. People didn't know who I was. But a friend of mine named Tom Wilkins, who's now at Southern New Hampshire University, he brought me in in the summer of 2010. My full-time job had left. Radio had gone into media relations and broadcasting with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats baseball team. So I picked up some more skills in terms of, oh, this is how you want to make sure Jamie Staten at Channel 9 is able to get interviews so they can get stories out there. Or Roger Brown has stories. So I, I understood the importance of getting the word out, and I was lucky enough to get a break here in 2010, and I can't believe as we talk now. This is my
0: twelfth year full time UNH. Yeah, yeah, you, you've you've got a resume there, my man, and you you learned from a great gentleman and a great mentor, Jim Jannat. That was the, uh, and and going back to the uh, Terana State Challenge, a trivia question. You know, you know the answer. To who he replaced after the first season and went on for thirty four <laughs> more years on his own? It was Tom Bergeron.
1: Yes, that's correct. Isn't that amazing. Dancing yes. with another star. Jim
0: exactly. exactly. But of course, me.
1: the broadcast booth is not named the, the, the Tom Bergeron broadcast, but it is the Jim Janot broadcast booth. The exactly.
0: Wildcat. And it's always a pleasure to see him during the season and uh, get to just talk, talk radio. That's, that's, that's like you say, where I, I came from the TV thing. I got a, I got a face for radio, not TV. Believe me. Uh, back to the, What's your favorite of all the times you've been calling play by play? What's the highlight? What's that one thing that you said, hey, I hope I have that on tape somewhere or or on a video someplace?
1: Of all time, play by play favorites. Boy, I hate to screw this up. My favorite, 2004, the Fisher Cats in their first year, Bob Littman, voice of the Wildcats, he and I broadcast, and we didn't know any better. Our first year of minor league baseball, we won the Eastern League championship, beating the Altoona Curve during the playoffs, which We're pretty close to that time of year. Playoffs were on Labor Day. Won a championship game in the playoffs, drove from Binghamton, New York, to New Jersey for that Rutgers football game that I told you about, Ricky Santos. That was one weekend. And to me, they're always intertwined, that I was able in 2004 to be part of both of those momentous occasions that people still talk about.
0: Well, I have to ask. That's the highlight. Now, what's is there a, one you wish you had a do-over on? Can you remember one of those? I mean, we've all got them, and we've all got many of them. But just one that you said, boy, I wish I could do that one over again.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, thousands, yeah. thousands of those. It happens to me a lot in the hockey too. Getting the name of the person scoring the goal, mm.
0: ball, yeah,
1: just terrible. Or calling a home run when it's actually a foul ball. <laughs> well, Mist-identifying names is is the, you get a. a feeling in the pit of your stomach. Yeah, that's now, But the one that stands out the most was America East baseball. UNH mm-hmm. doesn't have baseball, but I was fortunate enough, and this goes back five years ago, to be at Lalasher Park in Lowell. And it was, of course, the dreaded Maine Black Bears were playing in a big game at this part of this tournament. So I was broadcasting the tournament with Bob Ellis, who's UMass Lowell announcer, and a game-winning hit by a kid from Maine down the line, and I got his name wrong. But I felt kind of bad. I felt bad that I'm like, yeah, at least it was Maine.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I wasn't invited back, funny enough, to do the next year's tournament. Uh
0: I know you try to get those names right. You know it as well as I do. You, you go through with the uh, athletic directors from the other teams and, and, and you don't want to screw up a kid's name. I don't care what level it is. You know, they're putting it all out there on the line. <laughs> Last thing you want to do is have an irate parent come after you and say, Hey, my kid's name is.
1: <laughs> yeah. And as you know, we have to be accountable when it happens. You immediately <laughs> apologize. Say, I need to be better. That's unacceptable. And exactly. but it stays with you. The mistakes stay with you more than people will say, Hey, I love your work, which let's pretend somebody's told me that in my career Maybe Maybe. Yeah. But when they say it, you feel good, but you always feel worse. Is it Pat Riley who said there's winning and there's misery?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. In some ways when you're exactly. playing by play,
1: if you want to be the yeah. best, you hate any mistake that comes up. But if your partner makes a mistake, it's no big deal. Why yeah. is that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're a pro's pro, no doubt about it. And I always look forward to, you know, kicking the season off with you. Uh, and we're looking forward to a, a busy season, a real fun season. And, uh, we're a UNH wildcat sports back in Durham. But we mentioned at the beginning, I know as we take precautions. That's all we can do and hope that the folks that are listening or watching us do the same. Just keep things rolling along. It's, it's not just exactly a mask. If you haven't had your shot, please get one. I mean, it, it's, it's painless and harmless and it's for the better of everybody, not just the individual, but for everybody. Well, Mike Murphy, the Associate Athletic Director of Marketing and Communications. We always love having you on board the Seaco Sports Forum. And again, look forward to maybe doing a show from Wildcat Stadium somewhere down uh, during the season. That'd be fun.
1: Mark it down. If you invite me back again, Sherman, it's on you. But I'd love to do it in person.
0: Yeah, That is a promise, sir. My two-minute drill. I just want to remind people we have some openings available still for our Seacoast Sports Forum Fantasy Football League. We will be drafting soon. The season's coming up before we know it. So if you are want to be one of our teams, we're looking for good managers who will stick it out through the season. Some folks just draft a team and then forget about it. We want somebody that wants to go all the distance right up to the Super Bowl with us. So if you're interested, fantasy football is your thing. Good. Seacoast Sportsforum at yahoo.com. Just leave your information. I'll get back to you and we'll get you a team. And oh, one other thing. I just want to thank folks who have found our podcast. Spread the word. We love having more people join us every week. So, on behalf of Mike Murphy, I'm Sherm Chester, inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to get notified about new episodes of the Seco Sports Forum. Follow the Sports Forum team behind the scenes on our Facebook and Twitter pages. This is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum.